Welcome to Literary Quest, a podcast hosted by us, Vicki and Marissa, where we discuss our favorite and fantasy fiction and hopefully can direct you in your quest to find your next great read. Hello and welcome to Literary Quest, our podcast. This week we'll be discussing A Court of Wings and Ruin by Sarah J. Mass. This is the third book in the series. Um, and the end of this little part of the trilogy, there's more books coming out, but this is kind of the end of this specific storyline, as far as we know, for right now. So we have a lot of ground to cover in this book, and so we're just going to jump straight into our character descriptions, our new places, new monsters, all of that things, all of those things. And then Vicki will follow up with our plot summary and then spoiler alert. And then uh, we'll talk about all of our feelings and things and such. Okay. Okay. So let's start with our new characters. Uh, two new characters that we see are called Dagden and Brenna. They're twins. They are the prince and princess of Highburn, and they are the king of Highburn's nephew and niece. They're described as being cruel and ruthless. They have uh, Daimati powers like Reese and Ferris, so they're able to tap into people's minds, but they are like a thousand years old or older, and so they are super talented and very good at mastering their powers. They are awful. Um, they harm a group of humans in the spring court for their own pleasure while visiting, and it's really terrible. Also, they give off really weird incestuous vibes, so they they are always super close, super in sync with each other when Farrah tries to set them up, like, with rooms in uh, Tamlin's Manor. They're like, we'll just stay together. It's kind of bizarre. We get to meet all of the High Lords, so we've met Tamlin, Spring Court, we've met Tarquin, Summer Court, but this time we get to meet all of the rest of the High Lords. So uh, let's start with Baron. So that's the High Lord of the Autumn Court. That's Lucian's father. He is described as being tall and having brown hair. And he is the oldest and cruelest of all of the High Lords. So he's basically just a big jerk. Um, he is married to the high lady of the, the autumn court. We don't ever find out what Lucian's mom's name is, um, but he eventually is uh, really cruel and harmful to her. And he tortures her for an affair that she has with one of the other high lords. We meet Colias. So he is the high lord of the winter court. And he's described as having white hair and skin that is so pale that he looks frozen. Crushing blue eyes. I, I think they're described as like the color of glacier, water, glacier ice or something. And he is mated to Vivienne and he is able to manipulate ice. We meet Helion. He is the High Lord of the Day Court. He's described as having dark skin with black hair. And he wears a crown of golden spikes. He is described as being like the sun personified. He's called the spell cleaver and is able to break through spells and wards. He's also described as being bisexual. He's had uh, 
closer relationships with the court of dreams than any of the other courts that, that uh, we've talked about. He, as ruler of the day court, um, the day court is known for having magnificent libraries and for being very inventive. So they're very clever people. We meet Thesan. He's the High Lord of the Dawn Court and commander of the Peregrine Aerial Legion. He's described as having brown hair and uptipped brown eyes. Uh, that and he's described as being like gilded by the sun. And one of his gifts is the ability to heal. So those are the rest of our High Lords. In this book, we also meet Eris. So we've we've talked about Eris. I don't know if we've talked about Eris, but Eris is mentioned in some of the other books. He is Lucian's older brother and likely the future High Lord of the Autumn Court. He acts really arrogant and conniving and is sometimes violent and antagonistic. But uh, some of the behavior that we see with him suggests that this could all be an act kind of similar to the act that Reese puts on to convince people of his harshness and cruelty. He was engaged to more and he is able to wield fire. We also find out more about the sixth Fae Queen. So in book two, she was, we were told that she was sick. Uh, and in book three, we find out more about her. So her name is Vasa and she was betrayed by the mortal Queens to a death God who cursed or enslaved her. And her curse is that she turns into a firebird by day and a woman by night. She becomes very important in the final battle that we see in this book. She is described as being a super fiery and she has a really strong spirit. We see a new monster in this book. So the monster's name is Briaxis. He lives in the lowest levels of the library within the mountains that the House of Winds sits upon. Farrah makes a deal with him to visit it and to show it life in exchange for saving her from some bay that Hybern sends to kidnap her. He, uh, the, she later makes another deal with him or with the monster to ask it to help them in the war with Hybern in exchange for her installing a window in the side of the mountain so that it can see out. We visit some new places in this book. So we take a trip to the winter court where we see everything is covered in either ice or snow. Transportation occurs via sleighs that are pulled by reindeer. So we get a little bit of Christmas vibes. There's, it describes there being like evergreen and roaring hearths. And they make the use of great white bears to patrol their lands. We visit the Autumn Court, which is described as like a jewelry box of reds and gold and brown and green. It's described as being super beautiful. It's home to farmland and fields and orchards and the forest house, which is where the High Lord Baron lives. It's described as being very extensive, having multiple layers, kind of being labyrinthine. They say you could start in one side of the house in the morning and make it to like the middle of the house by the afternoon. So it, it's quite large. And then we also take a trip to the Don Court. So the Don Court is where the meeting of the High Lords and Lady is hosted. We'll find out more about that in a little bit. But uh, the Don Court hosts an aerial legion of peregrines who are fae with wings. 
And those wings are described as being feathered and more bird-like in nature than Illyrian wings, which are described as being more bat-like. Farrah notes that uh, one of the, the first visually captivating things that she sees when they visit the Dawn Court is that it has enormous soft clouds that are rose-tinged and gilded from the sunrise. So Dawn Court sunrises are going to be particularly epic and beautiful in this court. And that's our new places, people, and monsters. Vicki, do you want to pick up with our plot description? Sure. We find ourselves back at the spring court like we did in the last book. However, much has changed since then. Feyre is no longer the female who was in love with Tamlin. She is Rhysand's mate, High Lady of the Night Court, and she is ready to get revenge on the spring court. Iante visits and explains to Tamlin, Lucian, and Feyre that the reason she betrayed them was because she thought Feyre would want to have forever with her sisters and that Lucian would be devastated if he only had a few decades with his mate, Elaine. Feyre pretends to accept her apology, and Tamlin, and Tamlin assures them that all will be well. Highburn is coming in from the west, and he has moved his people east. Feyre pockets the information regarding Highburn away for later. Jurian arrives with the niece and nephew of the King of Highburn, Prince Dagdon and Princess Branna. They're there to assess the damage to the wall and see if any of it can be exploited easily for the cauldron to take the wall down. Lucian, Feyre, Jurian, and the royals go out to the wall several times as a group. During this time, Jurian and Feyre talk a bit. He reveals that he believes Miriam and Dracon are still alive. He also tells her that he knew Rhysan during the first war and that he was a good male. Jurian hints that he is aware Feyre is planning to bring the spring court down and shows no sign of wanting to stop her. The summer solstice arrives and Feyre manages to undermine Yonthe and steal the spotlight away from her. Feyre goes to bed early, but pretends to have a nightmare and runs to Lucian's room, and he comforts her, but Tamlin sees them hugging and is suspicious. She is beginning to plant the seeds of discord among the spring court. On one trip to the wall, the royals kill two humans. This is unacceptable to Feyre, Lucian, and Jurian, so they set the bogey after them. It results in a fight with Tamlin, during this argument, Feyre baits Tamlin into losing his temper and causing him to start destroying everything around. A work table hits Feyre, and she does not attempt to block it. Lucian rescues her from the room, and while walking away, Tamlin's sentries see the injuries on Feyre, causing them to become wary of their high lord. There is an attempted Naga attack on the spring court that is thwarted thanks to Yante's vision. The attack is actually due to Yante, but blamed on an innocent sentry. Tamlin whips him despite Feyre's protests and pleas to hear his story. The other sentries witness this and are shocked that their high lord would be so cruel. Feyre stays after the whipping to tend to the injured sentry and the sentries apologize to her for not protecting her in the past. During the next trip out to the wall, Feyre speaks with the royals. She discovers that Highburn has 200,000 soldiers spread out over the lands. They will use the cauldron to tear the wall down and wipe the world clean. It is at this point Feyre feels she has enough information about the enemy's numbers, their purpose, specific location, and the names of foreign territories to return to her true home. By this point, she has also managed to manipulate the situation so that people have lost faith in their high priestess, Tamlin's centuries are starting to rebel, and the Highburn royals are questioning the strength of the spring court. Feyre has primed the spring court to fall from the inside. 
She plans to leave and make it look like the royals hurt her and Tamlin refused to protect her. However, her plans are changed when she discovers that Iante has restrained Lucian and was trying to force herself on him. Fair saves him and uses her Daimati powers to get revenge on Iante. It is glorious. However, this extra time gave the royals enough time to find them and reveal that they poisoned them with Feybane to take away their tower powers. Before their powers give out completely, Feyre and Lucian manage to kill the royals and escape. They are forced to go through the Autumn Court without any powers. Despite trying to be stealthy, they are found by Lucian's cruel brothers who attempt to capture and kill them. They still do not have their full powers and are not doing well in the fight. Luckily, enough of their powers have come back for Feyre to use her bond with Rhys and tell him where she is. Asriel and Cassian arrive in time to save them. Feyre tells them to spare Lucian's brother and officially announces that she is High Lady of the Night Court. They are taken back to the townhouse in Valeris. After Reese and Feyre have some alone time, they travel to the House of Wind to meet up with the rest of their friends and Feyre's sisters. Nessa is still Nessa, but Elaine has become incredibly withdrawn. The Inner Circle meets up at Amran's apartment to discuss strategy. They decide to send letters to all the High Lords to arrange a meeting to discuss alliances during the pending war. Amran states that she believes Feyre's sisters may have gotten power from the cauldron and Feyre agrees to ask them for help. There is a tense dinner back at the House of Wind. Amran and Nessa connect. Nessa agrees to train with Amran and Feyre declares she wants to learn how to fly. Asriel promises to train her. Rhys says that they must visit the Court of Nightmares and request their help during the war. Asriel and Feyre train, and Feyre learns how difficult it is to just have wings and even harder to fly. Later, she goes with Rhys to a library that he has turned into a sanctuary for traumatized women. It is also mentioned that there is a monster hidden under the library. While researching ways to win, Feyre has the idea that while Hybern may have the numbers, Prithian has the monsters. She <laughs> makes a visit to the Bone Carver. During this visit to the Bone Carver, we learn some secrets. He has dangerous family members. He also reveals that Nessa stole something from the cauldron. He states that he will help Feyre, but she must bring him the Ouroboros mirror from the Court of Nightmares. He also reveals that he likes Asel and does not actually desire to leave. Back at the House of Wind, Nessa decides she wants to help and Elaine is speaking in riddles. They travel to the Court of Nightmares, where Kier agrees to help if he gets access to Valeris. Reese agrees to this, but states there will be conditions. Eris shows up, and Reese agrees to help him when he decides to make a bid to become a High Lord of the Autumn Court. Moore is devastated by both of these betrayals. Feyre demands the mirror, and Kier said that if she can look into it, she can have it, but warns her that no one has ever looked into it without going mad. Feyre accepts that she will be unable to get the Bone Carver's help. Upon their return to the House of Wind, they discover that the High Lords from Day, Dawn, and Winter have agreed to meet with them. Feyre and Nessa go to the library together, but get ambush ambushed by Highburn soldiers. They learn that Nessa has taken enough power from the cauldron to make it less effective and that the King of Highburn wants Nessa. They run, and in order to escape, Feyre makes an unlikely friend who offers to help her for a deal. After leaving the library, they have a meeting where Asriel figures out that Elaine is not going crazy, but that she is a seer. Elaine hints that the sixth mortal queen may still be alive and willing to help them. Lucian departs to find her. 
we learn that the summer court has been attacked by Highburn. Cassian and Reese prepare the Illyrian soldiers to fight, and they prepare for their first battle. Ultimately, the summer court is victorious, and with the help of the night court, they drive out Highburn's forces. After the battle, Reese and Feyre speak with Tarquin, and it is uncomfortable and tense. He has not forgiven him for forgiven them for stealing the book. They decide to move the meeting with the High Lords up a few days. The meeting takes place at the Dawn Court and all the High Lords arrive. It does not go super well. Tamlin is salty and Baron, the High Lord of the Autumn Court, is rude. Eventually, six out of seven of the High Lords agree to become allies. After the meeting, they spend some time with Helion and there is a surprise reveal about Lucian's true lineage. The next day, Nessa is overcome with a feeling of dread. A few seconds later, there is a great tremor, and they realize that the wall has come down, exposing the human realm and Prithian to each other. A quick plan is put into place, and all the High Lords depart to play their parts. When they return to Valeris, they discover that Elaine seems to be healing a bit. She has an idea to help the humans. She suggests asking her mortal betrothed for help. They winnow to the Illyrian camp near the mortal border and visit her fiancé. They discover Jurian there and learn the shocking truth about him. It is also revealed that Tamlin has again allied himself with Highburn and that Highburn is going to attack the Summer Court. All-out war now rages in Prithian. While Prithian wins some battles, Highburn begins to push harder and gain ground. It begins to look rather hopeless and Feyre decides to find the Surreal. She doesn't need to trap him this time. He just speaks with her about what is needed to give them the upper hand in the war. They are ambushed by Iante. Feyre manages to escape, and Iante suffers a horrible and well-deserved fate. When Feyre arrives back at camp, she discovered Moore is furious at her, Reese has been worried, and that Cassian was almost killed. While Highburn had not won that battle, it was a very narrow victory. In an attempt to track down the cauldron, Nessa scribes, and while Nessa can see the cauldron and the enemy camp, so too can the cauldron see Nessa and their camp. Amran, Nessa, and Pharaoh wake in the middle of the night to the feeling of the cauldron being nearby and discovering that Elaine is missing, lured away by images sent from the cauldron. Pharaoh and Azriel set out to rescue Elaine. It doesn't go great. They encounter Jurian, the king of Hybern, and Tamlin, but they make it out with Elaine and with another female they manage to rescue. Amran has a breakthrough with the Book of Breathing and reveals she believes she has a way to not only stop the cauldron, but to stop Highburn's forces completely. They gather together and Rhysand addresses each member of the court, preparing them for their final battle. The battle is brutal, full of surprise friends, surprise betrayals, and horrible tragedy. So I'm ending it there because even though there was still a lot left to the book, <laughs> a lot of stuff happens and it would... Yeah, a lot of spoilers would happen. So many spoilers. So that's where I'm ending it. <laughs> All right, so we're going to move on to the second half of our podcast. As a reminder, there are spoilers in the second half. So if you don't care about spoilers, continue to listen. If you want to read the book first and then come back, you should do that. Let's get started. Yes. So I love seeing Feyre be so clever in the spring court. Everything she does, I wish I could have put more of it in the summary. She is a genius Mm -hmm. and I love it. Yes. So during Solstice, I love when she 
subtly manipulates it so Ianthe won't be in the sun, but she will, and then uses her extra power to shine brighter. And oh, and everyone's yes. like, oh my god, Vera, this is so amazing. And Ianthe has to adjust and is like, oh, I'm friends with her. Yeah, yes. That's so great. Oh, I know her. I, yeah. Yes, this is because of me. Yes, we're so blessed. Yes. Yeah. Well, she's seething on the inside. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, I also, so just how clever she was like, not just with that, but she figured out how to mask her scent by remembering the scary things like the Midgarm worm, the weaver and the carver. She thought of those things to mask mm-hmm. her scent and make her scared when she needed to be scared. Mm-hmm. Brilliant. Yes, it was brilliant. brilliant. I mean, everything that she does to undermine Tamlin and Neonte and destroy the spring court from the inside which she promised she would do they i mean she said it at the end of a court of mist and fury she said i will break you apart from the inside and girl does she Ooh, mm-hmm. it's so great whole so, century thing right i'm saying yeah. it right. i just feel like i'm saying century, century. yeah century 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 the whole century thing was also like i mean her letting the table hit her Yes. And being like, ouch. Uh, you hurt me, but I guess I shouldn't have pushed you so hard. Let me walk in front of all of your sentries so they see mm-hmm. how you hurt they me and lost control. My face bleeding and my bruises and me looking scared. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, or during Solstice when she like places a few, like, you know, she flirts with Tamlin mm-hmm. and then puts on her sexiest nightgown. Yes. And runs to Lucian when she has her fake nightmare and yeah. Tamlin comes to see her at night mm-hmm. and is like, oh. Catches them. Yes. yes. And his claws are partially out. Mm-hmm. Yes. Tamlin. So, and uh, she she manipula- manipulates her scent and sound in that situation too. So she like uh, hides the sound of Tamlin coming into the house from Lucian so that he won't know that Tamlin's coming so that everybody's caught by surprise. And it's that awkward, like when you get caught and you and whoever you're with, they step apart and you're making excuses. Like I had a night. That's what she says. She says, I, w- I was having a nightmare and Tamlin's all pissed off. Oh, that is brilliant. Yep. Getting revenge on they? Mm. Yes undermining her and undermining her with Dagden and Branna. So when uh, the King of Highburn's niece and nephew and Jirion come and visit and Ionthe tries to make these grand appearances. So she comes in, you know, in her garb with her little circlet with the sun shining on her. And she's like, oh, I'm Ionthe or whatever. And then Feyre like thwarting every attempt that she made that Yante makes to like have these great grand uh, presentations of herself. I love it. Mm-hmm. Just cutting her off at the knees. And she, she smashes her hand. Yes. Such a good scene. Yes. Oh, that was good just in general because um, Lucian was all, she used those gold chains on him, mm-hmm. right? The, the, is it the Feybane chains? Yeah. So, right, Neonthe almost rapes Lucian, and, mm-hmm. you know, Feyre isn't going to allow that. Right. Which is good. And so the hand, breaking her hand, goes back, but that's what uh, Reese did mm-hmm. to her. Back yes. Yeah. That is, 
that is probably one of the most cathartic moments in this series for me when Yante finally gets what she has coming to her with touching people when they don't want to be touched. Ooh, mm-hmm. it is so great. Oh, and we were going to talk about how Farah fighting Dagden and Bra- Branna. Branna. Um, Branna. And just like taking them down. She fought better than Lucian. Yes. She saved his, so now she saved him from Iante and from the Royals. Mm-hmm. And he's not grateful at all. Not oh. at all. He Lucian. So oh. salty and stupid. Just mm-hmm. And he's all like, oh, I guess you were going to betray us the whole time. Were you even going to come back and save me? Like, fool? No. Why? But she did anyway. She slowed herself down and took on the extra burden of saving you. And you're going to be ungrateful? Mm-hmm. And then act like a jerk when he gets to the night court. Yeah. He does say at one point, oh, you're a better friend to me than I've ever been to you. She should have mm-hmm. said, like, yeah. Yes, I was. <laughs> she didn't. You're welcome. She was just like, mm. <laughs> yeah. Well, what I like that he says when she is, like, explaining everything that's happened to her, to him, to try to help him understand what's going on when they finally get to Valeris, he says, I didn't realize that I was the villain in your story. And she's like, oh, no. But he kind of was. Yeah, he was basically a let uh, he attempted to help her some under the mountain, but when she really needed his help as a friend in the spring court, nothing. He was not Mm -hmm. any help for her at all. And there, I mean, we do find out later that there are things that we didn't see. Like he went to the day court to try to see if they could get her out of the spell that or the the agreement that she had made with Reese so he was trying to help in that situation but really was he doing that more for her or for Tamlin for Tamlin totally for, for Tamlin. Tamlin 100% plus I don't know if Lucian would have gone with Farah if Elaine hadn't been in the night court right like I don't think he would have I don't think he would have done the right thing I can't stand his possession. So I understand that they don't have like any control over the mating bond or anything like that but Reese knew that he was mated to Farah at the end of the first book and he was going to let someone else marry her. Like yep. that is how upstanding and fantastic and willing to support her happiness Reese is. And Lucian from the time he finds out that Elaine is his mate is like, I want to find my mate. I want to find my mate, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, dude, you don't own her. Sure, you're mated, but Reese never treats Feyre like she's a possession. Yeah. And I don't get that same vibe from Lucian. I love how gentle Asriel is with Elaine. Me too. I ship them. Yeah, me too. More than, well, more than Elaine and Lucian. I ship Asriel and Cassian more. Same. Yes. I want to see that. I want to see that union. Yes. I don't they're the they're the only two that really deserve all of the love and the happiness that the other one can provide for each other and so mm-hmm. I want them to happen <laughs> yeah me too. but if Elaine has to be with somebody I would put her with Asriel over Lucian yeah me too Asriel is so sweet to her and she seems to open up to him and mm-hmm I love that we get to see more of Asriel in this book too, because yes. we've he, we've never really had a reason to talk about him in the other podcasts. I realized we've never really talked about him other than like, oh, Asriel's Reese's friend. 
Mm-hmm. And when, and spy master. Mm-hmm. And so we finally have, you know, Farrah gets one-on-one time with him when she learns how to use her wings, which I love because like you also see him with a sense of humor. Mm-hmm. I think I developed a like crush on Asriel during this book. Yeah. I think that's what happened. Yeah. Yes. He's super <laughs> funny. He's like, so when she flies into a tree and he's like, that tree's, she's like, that tree wasn't there a minute ago. And he's like, I'd say it's been there for at least 200 years. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Oh, it's so great. I do like how like sensitive he is with teaching her how to fly. So he, you know, he learned when he was like an, like an older, like a teenager. And so he has, he learned from Cassian and Reese, but, because he had to experience learning to fly at an older age, he's got that really unique and helpful perspective for re, for Farah, which I think is definitely what she needs. And then when Farah and Reese are reunited after her time in the spring court, when they reunite, it's so touching because she's like saying hello to everybody that she hasn't seen because Reese isn't there yet. And he finally gets there and she just falls completely apart. She falls to her knees and starts crying and he comes to her and it's just, it's so touching. Mm-hmm. It's gotta be especially hard. So being separated, I guess, from your significant other for a long, like even a month is like mm-hmm. the best feeling in the world. But when you have such a strong connection, like they do through the mating bond and everything, plus with war going on or war on the horizon, like that's going to make it especially or even more stressful. Right. I think all that, plus she was trapped with, you know, Tamlin and Iante. And while she got her revenge with them, I mean, that must have been a really stressful situation. She was surrounded by these people that she hated. Yes. And he thought that she may have died. So when she was dosed with the Feybane by Dagden and Branna, he, like, she couldn't tap into her powers anymore. So their connection to each other was gone. So there's that as well. Going back to Nesta and Elaine being unhappy about being Fey, like, I think the situation would definitely be different if you weren't forced into it so they didn't have a choice and it was a very traumatic experience so they were kidnapped basically and forced into a cauldron not knowing if they were going to make it out alive Uh, Mm -hmm. it was really i mean it's an experiment basically for the king of heimburn they were sold out kidnapped and forced into it and so i think this if you got to elect to become (laughs) immortal the situation might be a, a little bit different than if it was a, a thing that was forced upon you. And that, you know, like you said, Elaine had some other stuff going for her with the guy that she was supposed to marry and stuff. So, you know, she had kind of this different life planned out for her. But Nesta, you know, she was like, I'm going to wait until Elaine gets married and then I'm, I may just find a ship and sail off somewhere. So it's not like she had just grand plans for her future but her choice was still taken away yeah that's actually something that Cassian said too that she was like her body no longer wholly belongs to her Mm -hmm. it was was violated it's a great point about it's a violation of her body it's not Mm -hmm. like not her choice um sort of thing Mm -hmm. but I still feel like yeah the worst thing (laughs) yeah Right. Yeah. I mean, I feel like maybe being dead would probably be worse. Uh, or like with the, 
the witch, the uh, mortal queen who went into the cauldron as a young person and the cauldron after Nesta, <laughs> after Nesta violated the cauldron back, <laughs> was the cauldron was angry and salty about it. And so it turned that one young fa- mortal queen into an old crone. That would definitely be worse than <laughs> what happened to Nesta. Mm-hmm. So our friends go to the court of nightmares and more has this confrontation with Eris, which is really, so she, I, I hate that Reese wasn't able to prepare her at all. I mean, that would be really triggering to see the person who was associated with this really traumatic experience in your life and you weren't anticipating seeing them. In that confrontation with Eris, he says that there was a lot more going on in the situation where he gave up her as his betrothed than she was aware of. And obviously, of course there is, because nothing is ever straightforward when you're dealing with Faye. But I just wonder, like, what else was going on in that situation? Because he says, like, I knew you didn't want me, and I wouldn't have touched you if we ended up together. But he leaves her after she's been left abandoned in the woods by her family with a, 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 a note nailed to her womb. And he says like I basically that like he couldn't have helped her and so I'm just wondering like if he had helped her would she have owed him in some way for that and so was he trying to keep her from being in that situation because the people in the autumn court are awful and cruel and so if she had owed them a favor you can bet it would have been a bad situation for her um but then we also find out that Eris helped Lucian make it to the spring court and had no part in the killing of Lucian's then, uh, what lover, girlfriend, girlfriend, the person that he was in love with, Mm -hmm. Uh, his family killed her. And we find out that Eris didn't have any part of that. And he actually helped Lucian make it to the spring court so that he could live. He basically saved his life. He did, which is interesting because everyone has this perception of Eris as being, a horrible person mm-hmm. and he doesn't correct that doesn't ever say anything like I think with Eris we see the same uh like manipulation of his external appearance kind of like what Reese has portrayed to all of the rest of the world up until this point that he's cold and hard and cruel and ruthless when he's really just playing the game we see that with Jurian too mm-hmm because Jurian pretends to be this awful person allied with um, Highburn, mm-hmm. but he's not. And he helps Farah uh, and Azriel escape from when they go into Highburn territory. Mm-hmm. He helps them escape. He wants to basically apologize, right? To yeah. Miriam and Dracon. He wants to apologize to them. Yeah. And so we see, I don't think though he wasn't, well, He does say that he would have done anything to win, which Mm -hmm. is why he had done what he did and seemed so bloodthirsty. So I feel like it's another sort of misunderstood, cruel character Mm -hmm. that Moss has written, Mm -hmm. has written. And I want to see more of Jurian. He seems fun. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, like, because he's, he recognized immediately that Pharaoh wasn't actually Yahweh. Yeah, we were talking about monsters before, and we have all these monsters in Prithium, you know, Mm-hmm. we've got the bone carver we've got the weaver we've got braxis we've got the court of nightmares it's basically mm-hmm. full of monsters who else do we have i feel like i'm missing one. Oh, amarin. right amarin we have amarin and then we have i don't know if she technically counts as a monster but the sixth queen mm-hmm. right yeah she's she falls with them too so we have all these and we see them and they're so amazing mm-hmm. in the final battle when Amarin comes in as her, she's a dragon, like she's a dragon. Yeah. Right? She comes in and just decimates everything. Mm-hmm. Basically the same thing with uh, the Sixth Queen mm-hmm. and the Bone Carver. I was so sad at the Bone Carver's death. I was sad too. I was kind of sad when the Weaver died as well. Because, you know, she's so like mm-hmm. ferocious and then she gets taken down by a pack of dogs yeah i mean they're magic dogs they're naga hounds but still she deserved better mm-hmm. and then raxus who really just i mean when he's in the library he says that he likes his home like mm-hmm. cell there and he but he disappears but all he wants to do is see the sun and the stars Mm-hmm. and have somebody to talk to mm-hmm. and that's an interesting the whole liking your prison or your cell comes up multiple times in this mm-hmm. book and it's a direct contrast to oh like all the other characters trying to fight for freedom we've got reese uh Feyre, more you know they fought so hard to get out of their bad situations out of what they were trapped and forced into mm-hmm. But we have these other really powerful beings that are so like, yeah, all right, mm-hmm. I'm happy here. I'm mm-hmm. going to chill. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think that's interesting too. You know, the Boone Carver talks about how history for him has changed so much. You know, he's a death god, and you know, people used to like worship him, and they were held in reverence, and then the world moves on and they're not really seen as that anymore. And so do you go into the prison because the life that you once lived is no longer something you can tolerate or is it more for like your own personal safety? Right. Well, the bone carver says something about his, so his hiding from his siblings. Oh yeah. Yeah. That they're cruel. Yeah. We know they are. Yeah. So uh, it's interesting. And then with Briaxis, so when he, you know, he makes that deal with Pharaoh well, where he'll go back into the library when things are over and then the war ends and they're like, uh, <laughs> we don't know where he is, where it is. It's not a gendered monster. We don't know where it is. And that reminds me of Amran a little bit. So, you know, she talks about her transformation when she goes from being a prisoner to becoming something so unlike what she was that she was able to trick the wards on the prison into letting her out because she couldn't remember the feel of the sun on her skin anymore or the feel of the breeze um and so she she became so desperate for that that she 
gave up what she was to bind herself to a completely different body. And so I wonder if, you know, like Briaxis kind of had that same type of response. Like he was fine in the library. He accepted until he, you know, was able to make that deal with Farah where it's like, I want to see life. I want to see things. And then she makes another deal or it's like, well, we'll get you a window if you want a window because he doesn't really want to like leave it you know, at that point he just makes a deal and then he gets free and it's like, well, okay, this is the, like, this is a life mm-hmm. and I don't have to just see it. I can be out. I can have, I can feel the sun and the wind and all of these things. So I wonder if he experienced a similar feeling. It's interesting that all these monsters require something, right? They want to make a deal. The mm-hmm. weaver made a deal the uh or Braxis made a deal and then the bone car I thought the bone carver's deal was really interesting mm-hmm. so he demanded that Pharaoh bring the Ouroboros mirror to him mm-hmm. and when she finally gets the mirror because she does she goes and she looks in it and it reveals to your to the person looking in their true self all of their flaws all of their hypocrisy all of that but she doesn't go crazy mm-hmm. she brings it to him and he's like Oh, I just wanted to see if you could look in it. Mm-hmm. I don't want it for me. Yeah. Okay. And she yeah. was like, what? That's what you wanted to see? Not that there were innocent lives worth saving. Mm-hmm. He's like, just wanted to see if you were worth it. Mm-hmm. So. I but know. I like that too. If he's, yeah. you know, he would be giving up pretty, uh, something pretty significant to him. If he is, I mean, the weaver, she real scary. So if he feels threatened by her and he's been, you know, kind of kept, you know, and I think you mentioned this too, you get comfortable in your prisons. So Mm -hmm. if he's giving up something like that, like all of that, the home that he's known for the last however many years, you wouldn't want it to be for someone who wasn't worthy. That's true. And I think it's a good, so Oh, the weaver is real like cryptic and, and I feel like he tries to teach people lessons with the things that he asks him to do. And I think for Farah, you know, he set her that task to get the Ouroboros, but I think for Farah, it's something that he felt she would need to do to become the person that she needed to become. Yes. She has that great moment afterwards with Reese when he was like, oh, you got the mirror. What did you see? And she says she saw herself and all of her flaws and she loved all of it. Right. So she came to accept herself. And this is one thing she struggled with so much. You know, she murdered those Fae. She always, she saw herself as a monster herself, which, you know, now she's friends with all these monsters basically Mm too. So to confront yourself and see yourself for who you truly, I guess, truly are. Mm-hmm. As well, too, but she did it, and she accepted all the bad parts and loved herself, and Reese seemed happy about it, and he was like, well. <laughs> <laughs> also super ballsy, you know. When when they, they go to get the Ouroboros, Kira's like, if you can take it, you can have it. Everyone who's tried has gone crazy and not recovered and so to have like to be you know armpit deep in a war and be like okay I'm this desperate to possibly lose my mind and die mm-hmm. let's give it a shot like there is bravery is like I would probably not <laughs> we're not on the same level I'd be like well I guess we're all gonna die then 
<laughs> me too. Me too. I'd be like, oh, okay. Well, this is this is too bad. And real. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. Yeah. Love an empowered female. Yes. We love, we love strong, empowered females. And extremely okay. supportive males. Mm-hmm. Who are okay with stepping back and letting them take the lead yes. when they know. Mm. That's great. Yep. Oh, she's so empowered in this book. She really is. And there's that quote that Reese says when she's about to take off to save um, Elaine. You do not fear. You do not falter. You do not yield. You go in, you get her, and you come out again. Remember that you are a wolf and cannot be caged. Mm. This brings us around to so many things. First off, like, oh, his support for her. Amazing. Mm -hmm. So amazing. Great supportive mate. And it brings us back around to the wolf, Mm -hmm. right? Which is a recurring theme that we've seen. And being caged, Mm -hmm. which brings us to all of uh, most of our main characters who Mm -hmm. are caged. And then um, the monsters and everything wanting to be caged so i love that quote i i love the dynamic between all of them so even though they're all friends they're still like you're my high lady and yeah yeah and that was part of what had cassie and so upset with her uh giving herself up to go to the spring court it's because it wasn't just that she was reese's mate anymore he says you know we would have protected you because you're your you're our friend and also because you're reese's mate but you hid, they hid from everybody that she was the high lady. And so that, I mean, that changes the dynamic completely for them. Mm-hmm. And so that's, a, that's just a, another little layer that gets added on. And that comes in um, to play as well when Feyre, so Feyre tricks more into going away to check on something else. So she can basically run off to see the cereal to figure out, you know, to, figure out where Highburn is keeping his armies and she gets Mac and Moore is furious with her. Mm-hmm. And it, it's because she, you know, their, their responsibility, their job is to protect the high Lord, the high lady, and they can't do their job if they're not being honest with them. And that's something that's really big. in, in this court is the trust that they have in each other, the honesty, the relationships that they've built with each other. And so Sarah has violated that. I like when, so she announces to the autumn court that she is high lady. Mm-hmm. And when she finally meets back up with Reese, he's like, oh, you stole my announcement sort of thing. He's, I've been wanting to roar it from the rooftops since we, it was made official. <laughs> and I thought that was really sweet. Yeah. And then when they have the meeting with the high lords, and again, she gets introduced as high lady. Mm-hmm. And I, I wish I could. One of the High Lords says, well, you always did love spitting on tradition. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I like that. That's a really good, that's a really good scene too, because like before they walk in, Farah and Reese are like, you know, at the threshold, I guess. And Reese says to Farah, like you bow to no one. And there's this moment where it's like, well, normally a, a High Lord's like, what are they female woman wife whatever would bow and she doesn't yes oh the meeting with all the high lords Tamlin Tamlin sucks 
just the he comes oh my god but what i like about this is so tamlin comes in and he tries to slut shame farah and it mm-hmm. like she gets upset mm-hmm. and is like snippy with him mm-hmm. but that's not what makes her go over the edge mm-hmm. she it's when baron mm-hmm. uh, starts insulting reese mm-hmm. and calling him a whore mm-hmm. that she loses it and is like yeah. ah and blasts him with fire which is such a great I mean, oh, it's a yeah. scene, but I was that, also, that yeah, I was so annoyed too because I was like, "No, now you've revealed yourself," mm-hmm. and the High Lords reacted. I thought better than they were going to. They weren't like all automatically grab her, let's kill mm-hmm. her, sort of thing. And I'm just like, "Oh, yeah." They well, still um, irritate me in that whole situation, though. So after you know Baron leaves and all of that stuff, and they're like, "Oh, I wondered what happened to that little little nugget of power," like. What do you Uh think happened to it? She died and you gave it to her. Why are you (laughs) acting like you don't know where this went? Did you think that you wouldn't have to give up something to make a dead mortal a living immortal? And then they're like, oh, they're acting like she took it from them. Like you gave it Mm -hmm. freely. And then they're like, they just irritate me. Like, what did you think happened? Reese did say that he manipulated their minds, though, to get well, them. Yeah, but they weren't, like, unconscious when they were giving it up. Like, he, he gave them a push. I think he also says they were leaning toward doing it anyway because of what she sacrificed them. But they weren't unconscious when they were giving up their power. Like, I, don't, I just don't understand why they're all... Like, oh, what happened to my power? <laughs> I wondered where that went. <laughs> like, are you dumb? Mm-hmm. <laughs> they are dumb. And they then, are dumb. They are dumb. But what I, what she says that I really like is like, I didn't take this from you. You gave it to me. And now it's mine. And I'm going to do what I want with it. So get on board or get out. Mm-hmm. Snap, um, snap. Yep. So the final battle was so intense. There's so much that happens. It was like the Avengers uh, end game. Mm -hmm. They all show up at the end. Thera's father shows up. Yeah, he finally comes through, you know? Mm -hmm. Lord Archeron, we've been waiting for you for, (laughs) you know, like nine years. And then he promptly gets himself killed. Just gonna. Yeah, that's really sad. Yeah, that's pretty <laughs> tragic. He shows up for like five minutes and it's like, dead. <laughs> yeah. So we, he shows up, Miriam and Dracon show up, mm-hmm. the Autumn Court shows up, mm-hmm. and Ulgerian shows up with the, uh, the queen, the sixth queen shows up. That Yeah. It's just it's like everyone showed up and it was this amazing moment where it's like, everyone's there. They're all there to help. It's going to be great. Yeah. But even with all of that, they were still not doing fantastic. So they had all of that, all of those armies, all of that, uh, all the ships, they had all the monsters and Highburn just had all these dispendable people, basically. Yeah. 200,000 soldiers. Mm-hmm. that he was willing to let all of them die mm-hmm. and the cauldron which wipes out like oh yeah just entire swaths of people 
Yes. And there's that really great moment where Nesta, so they're going into battle and Nesta starts screaming for Cassian. Mm-hmm. And he comes and he's like, what? And then that entire legion that he was stationed with gets wiped out. Oh, yes. She saves him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cassian, Nessa, and Elaine basically have to stand off with the King of Highburn, and the King of Highburn just is horribly torturing Cassian. Mm-hmm. He kills their dad, mm-hmm. right? Like right in front of her. And uh, Farah had felt all of Nessa's power at the time that she was saving to land a killing blow on the kill of Highburn, on the King of Highburn, like dissipate when their father shows up and he kills them. So Elaine steps in. Mm. Dabs him through the throat. Yes. So great. Oh, and that's right. It's with Azriel's blade. Yes. Uh, Truth's, ooh, truth bringer? What is it called? Is it truth teller? Truth teller? So, yeah. Yes. And how he gave that to her before he went off to help mm-hmm. in battle and had said it always, the rumor is that it always hits its mark and she just stabs him. Great. Yes super satisfying yes elaine whose only quality that we've talked about basically is that she likes flowers <laughs> that's true <laughs> pretty flower elaine who's soft and just likes pretty things stabs a guy in the throat <laughs> and kills him lands yes. the killing blow on the king of hibern it's epic Ooh. it is it's yes, great girl yeah <laughs> gets me fired up mm-hmm. so, uh, yeah I was like proud of her I was like yay Elaine you're not like whimpering in a corner anymore mm-hmm. nobody knows that the king is dead so it didn't stop the battle at all they're still all raging there's no way to be like hey he's dead y'all can stop now yeah you know none of that so they so Ferris still has to basically destroy the cauldron mm-hmm. right um and which she does it breaks into three pieces but then the world starts getting destroyed because without the cauldron which made the world the world will also disappear so now she has to put it back together Mm. reese comes up to her and is giving her his some of his power so she's like leaning into him and he's telling her through their bond that he loves her and she's slowly very slowly healing or putting the cauldron back together and they're mixing their power together and after it's all healed or i keep saying healed but after it's put back together she notices that reese is dead Mm -hmm. and she screams and is crying and it's it's just so sad Mm -hmm. because he's dead and she begs the other high lords to give uh to do what they did for her which was give them a kernel of their power and they all do and it's it's a couple minutes before he comes back because she lays there next to him or like on top of him like with her head on his chest like waiting for his heartbeat and she tells him all of these things about how she loves him about their story if you know how she became came to love him mm-hmm. and then he comes back and it's such a relief because that was horrible 
Oh gosh. That was so like, stressful. I did not come all this way for you to die. <laughs> I know. So, <laughs> so all of the High Lords gave Colonel, including Tamlin. Mm-hmm. You know, another getting, redeeming moment. Yes, another redeeming moment for Tamlin. When Reese dies, you know, at the very start of the book, when Farah first encounters the serial, he says, Stay with the High Lord. Yes. Stay and live to see everything righted. And so, and one of our, our Instagram commenters commented this too. So she said, what, like, I, it makes me hurt to think of if she had taken that advice and stayed with, like, thought the, t- the High Lord was Tamlin and stayed with him instead of the other one, like, how different would things be? Um, but this, it's also this really sweet, like, full circle moment as well, where, you know, she experiences this in the first book, and then we come to the end book, and those words come back to her, stay with the High Lord, stay with the High Lord, stay with the High Lord, and Reese is dead, and then they bring him back, and everything's, you know, as okay as it can be in that moment. And also another full circle moment that we see is in, in that same chapter, where, um, so in A Court of Mist and Fury, we see Feyre get taken by Reese for like, it's either the first or second time. And Tamlin is like, I will do anything. I will give you anything if you let her stay. And Reese, you know, just smirks at him and takes off with her. But that comes back in the end when, you know, all of the High Lords are giving their like nugget of power to Reese to bring him back to life and she's like Tamlin's the only one who hasn't given it up and she looks at him and she says please I will give you anything mm-hmm. it's just a I, that's an interesting little you know it was Tamlin begging Reese for Feyre and now it's Feyre begging Tamlin for Reese oh and so yay they won mm-hmm. now they have to figure out what to do with the cauldron they meet up with Miriam and Dracon and hang out for a little bit, just old friends reconnecting, decide that they're going to be the ones to take the cauldron before anybody really thinks about it, because mm-hmm. then there's going to be a fight over it. And then there's a final meeting between all the high lords and just, you know, high-ranking people that Feyre actually leads, which I think, and it ends where she and Reese are flying together and he like rubs his wing on her while they're flying like on her wing just because they could and it's this is the ending suite because she says something along the lines of we'll have more nights like this together and it's very uplifting because man they went through a lot that wraps up our first series It's always bittersweet finishing a series, but we have a lot of other books to look forward to, and Sarah Mass isn't done with these characters. A Court of Silver Flames will be coming out early next year, and we'll be covering it when it comes out. So next week, we'll be picking up with our first After Dark episode. We'll be covering the first book in the Bargainer series called Rhapsodic by Laura Thalassa. So tune in for that. We're very excited about it. Thank you for listening to Literary Quest. We hope you enjoyed our episode. If you'd like to follow us on social media, we can be found at Literary Quest Podcast on Instagram or Facebook. 
You're also welcome to share your thoughts and ideas with us via email at literaryquestpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks again.